0: From Podcast One. Coming up in this episode of Target USA. This is the best of Target USA 2019. A look back at episode 190. An explosion of spies. Three or four million. Half that number Work for China. Unprecedented Russian activity. To collect information about the United States. More than 100 countries working here. A big, big problem. American agents abroad.
1: I looked up and saw a guy looking at me with binoculars.
0: I'm J.J. Green. Join me for The Fog of Espionage. The enemies. Defectors. The tactics. U.S. agents. Secrets you've never heard. Coming up on this edition of Target USA, the National Security Podcast. Now, from WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. This is Target USA, the National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. What's it really like to be a spy? James Bond is not the answer. What James Bond did is nothing compared to what the real spies have do. H. Keith Melton, a board member at the International Spy Museum, an intelligence historian, and a specialist in clandestine technology.
1: I often say that in the real world, James Bond wouldn't last four minutes.
0: This is what a day in the life of a real spy is like.
2: I'd wake up in the morning when it was time to go operational, and I knew I was traveling covertly, meaning in alias, So I would shower, put on Tamer's clothes, put on his watch, take his wallet, drive his car.
0: That's the voice of a man we only know as Tamer El Nouri. He was undercover for the FBI, deep inside ISIS and Al Qaeda. And he's describing what it was like to assume what's known as his legend, more commonly called an alias.
2: I drive to a location and i would have a conversation with myself as i mentioned
0: that was two years ago his voice was changed to protect his identity we've been told that protection is still necessary because he's involved in other unrelated work his story about daily preparation is one of the few true glimpses you'll get from anyone working undercover for the u.s government as he pointed out and you may already know being a spy out here on the streets is a complex, mysterious existence requiring constant, daily preparation.
2: Anybody walking by me probably thought I was a crazy person because I'm speaking out loud, reciting my uh, identifiers, my mother's maiden name, uh, my business, locations, uh, everything about that individual. It's I call that flipping the switch. And when I become that person, I turn the key to his car and I drive to the airport and I'm never anything but that person. Whatever alias or legend I am doing, that's who I am until I arrive back home.
0: All of what you just heard, the day-to-day demands of men and women working undercover for the U.S. intelligence community, adds up to a very stressful life. But it's particularly stressful for CIA case officers who work overseas, undercover, like Kelton did. We spoke with him about numerous issues related to espionage and spying, particularly the stress.
1: Well, let me just say at the outset that even in uh, relatively benign environments, and there, there really are no truly benign environments, uh, but in a non-threatening, relatively non-threatening environment, uh, where using your own name and living and working, living and working undercover is a challenge, right? So if you're even if you're in your own name and you're undercover, it's difficult. It often necessitates doing two jobs: uh, with the one that you want the public to see and uh, your secret job, what you're what you're really doing, your undercover work. Um, long hours are physically taxing. Uh, That sleep is almost always at a premium, and that's, uh, of course, in gender strain. Then there's the strain of maintaining and supporting a cover legend uh, in interaction with the outside world. That's uh, people beyond those who have a strict need to know about what you're doing in the intelligence community we speak of need to know. um, And those people will be relatively few.
0: The process of building and maintaining a cover, as you have learned and will learn from our discussion with Kelton, is a complicated process. Very little detail about how this happens is discussed publicly. But interestingly, Target USA discovered several training films put together by the CIA's predecessor, the Office of Strategic Services, that shed some light.
1: Yes, to obtain intelligence on aviation production and the position of vital targets in the capital district of enemy area.
0: Correct. You ought to set up an intelligence organization which will gather information for
1: an SO operation. Are you set on your cover? Not definitely. I've narrowed it down to two, either a government inspector or a chief mechanic. Government inspector.
0: Kelton says no matter how you come at it, working undercover is a prickly business.
1: That's, you know, uh, if you're working in true name, uh, but undercover, if you're working in an alias that's using a false name, crossing borders can be extremely uh, stressful. Uh, being challenged by people on the street can also be very, very stressful. And having someone walk up to you who knows you in another name, and I, I know from experience, is certainly stressful. In a truly hostile environment, that's one where the adversary is deploying uh, considerable resources to identify you and what you're, for what you really are and what you're really doing and to track your activities. The stress can be very high. Uh, nerves are always on edge when you are when, when you're operational when you're actually at work doing your job, uh, but you try not to show it, of course, because then it gives away what you're doing. Uh, and officers employ techniques uh, in the parlance of espionage tradecraft to try to protect both their true identities and and the work that they're really doing. Uh, that is the like the operational activities they're carrying out, and, and the adversary at the same time is trying to divine exactly what you're doing and who you are.
0: According to Kelton and numerous other intelligence officials and former case officers that I've spoken to, it might seem as though the work of a spy or a case officer is glamorous. It's not. And there is an element of fear. But while that fear is palpable, it's a different kind of fear.
1: Fear plays a factor, but in my experience, it's not really physical fear. Um, Yes, there are times when you're physically afraid, but there are relatively few and very few actually. Uh, the greatest fear I ever felt was fear of failure, uh, especially fear I might let my uh, organization and country down, or that I might uh, make a mistake that would lead to the arrest or or death of the agents with whom I was working. Uh, and uh, in intelligence, and particularly at CIA, we take our responsibility to those foreigners we work with very, very seriously and do everything we can to protect them.
0: Well, wow, that's uh, quite a significant um Burden to carry, and um, let me just um, maybe drill down a little bit further, just briefly. What is, for those who don't know, a cover legend?
1: Uh, well, a cover legend is a an identity that one assumes uh, to the outside world in order to protect what one is really doing. So, you know, you're working undercover in espionage. Uh, it can be a job description that um, doesn't uh, convey fully what you're doing, or it can be totally uh, deceptive as to what you're, t- what you're doing. Uh, generally, you try to present the outside world with one uh, view as to who you are and what you are, and uh, use that cover not only to uh, exist and operate in an area, but to facilitate your activities, for instance, diplomatic cover. Right. You want to you want to use that to facilitate your activities. So I see. Could
0: you take us through a stressful scenario at some stage in one day during your career when you were operational?
1: Sure. Um, You know, in in operations, really, the only thing you can control is preparation. You know, once you start an activity, uh, it's it's a rule that anything can happen and usually does. so in, once you step off on an operation or an operational activity, you really have to trust in your planning and preparation for that operation, uh, sort of combined with your experience, both that you've, that experience that you've garnered on your own and that that you've learned through the experience of others, right, um, vicariously or virtually through the experience of others. And knowledge of the adversary is, uh, of course, absolutely crucial. Uh, but sometimes even the best planning is not enough. Uh, during the Cold War, I can recall an operation where I was tasked to put down a drop, a, a package for an agent. A package containing instructions, espionage material, money for an agent, foreigner working with us.
0: Mark Kelton, who spent 34 years at the CIA, says... An operation like this can take weeks, maybe even months, to plan.
1: The problem was that uh, there were people observing my activities and the activities of others at the embassy where I was working.
0: On the day of the operation, there was one loose end to take care of. In the intelligence world, there's something called an SDR, a surveillance detection run. It's designed to erode or flush out surveillance, and it can take hours.
1: I was out for an entire day, ensuring I wasn't being followed, before driving in my car towards the direction that I was going to put down the package.
0: That location had been scoped out long before and was known to Kelton, his team, and the operative the package was for.
1: I parked my car, thinking that there was no one with me, and taking the package, left to walk to the site. It was going to be a long walk. And I'll never forget this, as I emerged from a tree line, I looked up to my right and saw a car in a parking lot, maybe 200 meters away, and a guy leaning over the car, looking at me with binoculars. And pretty soon, lots of other of his friends appeared and started following me.
0: In what turned out to be something of a chase, there were more than a dozen people after Kelton.
1: They knew I was operational. I was carrying a package that if they'd detained me, it could have resulted in the compromised death, arrest of the agent. And I quickly decided to beat a retreat and returned back to the embassy with the package.
0: Kelton makes it sound easy. In reality, it was anything but. Over the next 60 minutes, he briskly walked, ducked, dodged, bobbed and weaved through the streets of a city that more than 30 years later he's still not able to name because it's classified, trying to elude the men on his heels. All the while stuck in his head was the mantra, he could not be caught because if he was, someone was probably going to die. That more than 30 years later is still the case for US agents working abroad, trying to do the business of the US, all the while trying to save their own skin. And in the process of engaging in that kind of work on the streets, in a hostile country with so much at stake, there is a concern about making a mistake.
1: Was it a mistake? Well, certainly I didn't know that they were there. Uh, And you you always learn most from mistakes. But for me, it was a hard lesson learned. In fact, we learned later that uh, I was not being followed what happened was as i was driving back to um the place where i was going to park my car my car was observed and then uh the uh surveillance was put on me at the very end and those things can happen uh you know but those kind of um unexpected events are the kinds of things that you learn a lot of lessons from and you learn great respect for the adversaries that are trying to to catch you uh scary scary for the most part for what might have happened to the agent if uh, the operation had been compromised.
0: Are you able to say what region you were in at the time?
1: Well, I was in uh, the Communist East at the time. I'm not. I can't say exactly where I was, but I was in the Communist East. Yeah, and it was in the Cold War.
0: Can you speak again to the importance of having an airtight legend? You talked a little bit earlier about that. But can you speak to the importance of having... One of those, an airtight legend.
1: Yeah, you know, the novelist uh, Frederick Forsyth said uh, in one of his books, a man ought to be who he claims to be. Some Seeming to be who one claims to be, you claim to be, is, is crucial to protecting the work of an intelligence officer, and uh, particularly the the agents, that is the foreign spies, um, if you will, who, who work with us. Um, you don't want to be detected. You're trying to detect that knowledge or protect that knowledge from detection by a foreign counterintelligence service, a hostile counterintelligence service, trying to track your activities and, and at the end, identify that agent. Any inconsistency in that cover story, cover legend uh, will lead to increased scrutiny that uh, being directed at the officer by that counterintelligence service uh, with, with all the risk that really entails for that officer and ultimately for the agent. So creating and maintaining a cover legend that is uh, is, is really a complex undertaking. First, you have to uh, put together a plausible I- alias identity uh, has to be created for the officer, a plausible identity uh, being something that looks or it looks plausible to the outside. Then the officer must be given that he's going to be given the documents that support that identity, uh, ID cards, birth certificates, school records, military files or ranks or something of that sort, travel documents, sometimes passports, visas, plane tickets and the like that uh, support that legend, that alias. And finally, the officer has to uh, learn uh, and develop the alias identity that, and he must be able to defend it uh, to hostile or uh, innocent interrogation that could a slip up could lead to suspicion. For instance, uh, at, um, uh, border crossings, it's the most obvious instance, but any, and daily interaction on the street, you think of how many times you're walking around on the street as a normal person that you have to produce your identity or you're asked about who you are. That identity has to be consistent and your story has to be consistent over, over time and space. Uh, and it have to, you have to be able to build on the identity because people in normal life, their, their, their identity uh, gains over time. You, you, you uh, uh, divulge more and more about yourself, but it has to be consistent. Um, all of this is, a, you know, sort of painstaking work, putting all that together. And it it uh, requires a lot of hard work, but it's necessary to the success and security of, uh, of an operational activity.
0: Mark, did you find yourself practicing your legend, Uh, you know, for instance, uh, reciting your identifiers or things like that?
1: Oh, yeah. It's a question of memorization. You know, if you were carrying a passport or something like that, you'd have to know exactly what the details were in it or any other kind of identity. Uh, You know, because that's the most obvious. Again, that's something you see in the movies all the time. But, you know, it's a very real concern where. Somebody has a document with your name on it, your birth date, and all the rest of that. Well, you better not give the wrong birth date when they ask you, you know, what's your birth date? So you better be studying those things. And it's and it's a lot more than that, but that's the most obvious example.
0: How, how did you practice? Did you did you do it at home and by yourself, or did you go out? Or just what was, you know, just started, well, how did you do that?
1: Yeah, do it in a safe place. You do it in your head. I mean, you know, just over and over, making up... Uh, um, Rhymes or things that you could uh, that would remind you of things, the name that you were using, and other things. You try try as much as you can to put yourself in the life of that person you're supposed to be when you're working. Mm -hmm. Takes a lot of study. Great.
0: What um, What do foreign uh, counterintelligence agents look for when they're trying to expose a spy? And uh, I'm getting what I'm getting at is what were you up against when 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 looking back at how foreign counterintelligence tried to get after you?
1: Well, uh, so let, let uh, first thing is a little bit about terminology. So you know, a spy is the the person, um, almost invariably a foreigner, with whom uh, a case officer, as we C I and C I A call ourselves, whom, whom case officer works. Uh, the case officer works. Um, a uh, we call ourselves case officers. The other terminology is use operations officer, handler. Handler is is someone who. Actually, directs the spy. Your spy. You're his handler. Uh, so, foreign counterintelligence personnel, of course, are trying to identify you as a means to get to that spy. That spy is really the objective, right? They that is the person that is doing them the most damage. That's who they're trying to get to. Mm-hmm. So the the uh, intelligence officer becomes the medium of getting to that spy. So when you when you when you're doing that, of course, that kind of situation, protecting your cover is absolutely crucial, right? If you're actually handling a spy, protecting your cover uh, is part and parcel of protecting that spy. Uh, but much more difficult, of course, in the digital age. Uh, background information can be retrieved and easily checked by uh, virtually anyone. And that makes it uh, very, very difficult. And that can be done on in real time. Ah, digital trail we all leave—sort of credit card transactions, car rentals, uh, internet searches, purchases—all of that can greatly assist a hostile counterintelligence officer in researching the uh, researching a suspect intelligence officer, and then in tracking that officer.
0: In addition to that, there's social
1: media—Facebook, LinkedIn, and and the like. Uh, younger people in particular, of course, have considerable social media profiles.
0: Here is a perfect example of what Kelton is talking about, taken from our series, City of Secrets. Robert Moore? Mr. Moore, this is Jerry Fielding with People Power, an executive placement service out of New York. Okay.
2: I was just calling to see if you were happy with your work.
0: With the work, yes.
2: Well, how about the money?
0: I found your resume on LinkedIn and... Foreign spies are not just walking the streets, they're in your inbox looking for people with classified and sensitive information. Social media has made it easier for them to find. Brian Dugan, assistant special agent in charge of counterintelligence at the Washington field office of the
2: FBI.
1: LinkedIn is one example. Uh, People put out there what they did in a prior life. And here's the problem. To any good intelligence service, those are going to be clues to find people that used to have a government job or... uh, access to clearance at one time or another. And who's most likely to be recruited? Somebody who gets
0: stuck with high bills, who has a lifestyle they can't sustain. And then you
1: combine that with somebody who does not believe their career has gone the right way. Maybe they feel like they've been undervalued in the system.
0: Philip Mudd, former deputy director of the National Security Division at the FBI. So, as a record number of American citizens retire, their options are wide open. And spies know that. The human ones and the artificial ones as well. Hello, JJ.
1: How are you today? I want to be your friend.
0: There are sophisticated organizations out there that can figure out how to contact you. Sometimes leaving computerized voice messages messages that some fall for.
1: Espionage has not been confined to human spying. In 2015, Chinese uh, intelligence uh, cyber operators stole sensitive personnel information from the Office of Personnel Management, OPM.
0: So here's the simple reality. Not only are there humans trying to recruit Americans to become spies, but there are technological components and people working remotely, as was simulated in this FBI video called Company Man.
1: As in China... I don't think you'll be laughing when you hear the salary. No, there's no way that I can move to China.
0: Think of it as a vacation.
1: Biometrics is another problem. Uh, biometrics, spatial recognition te- technology and uh, such things uh, can present a real difficulty for working, particularly if you're in another name. Um, iris scanners at airports border crossings um, they really really complicated the business of, of getting around and doing your job um, and biometric passports as well should be included in that and then there's the creation sort of, of large databases by government and international organizations data aggregation uh, again this is part of instantaneous retrieval but those databases can draw on um, information from across the government and as well as international organizations Uh, and that can really make it difficult when you're trying to uh, maintain an inconspicuous profile Um, gives border guards and the like and airport security personnel virtually instant recall Um, so if an undercover officer's uh, forged passport or visas uh, muster with um, in the past with uh, someone at an airport or uh, border they were good to go now you have to worry about the uh, what's in what's contained in those databases and that has to be consistent throughout so that's really hard to do
0: can you talk a little more about working undercover as yourself or as someone else
1: so you know a given you know so the difficulty I talked a little bit about working and undercover in, in the in the internet age um, it's uh, it, frequently easiest and best to resort to the oldest form of espionage that's working in the oldest and simplest form, that's working in true name. Uh, The officer doesn't have to create a legend, Uh, they just live their life as themselves. Of course, that has additional challenges uh, in that, you know, you you remove some of the protection of um, an alias identity can afford in places, Uh, but at the same time it... uh, it, it It simplifies things uh, in that you don't have to recall a false legend and build a false a false cover legend, if you will. But like many things, it's sort of complex in its simplicity. Now you got to rely on extensive training and preparation instead of trying to uh, work with a screen of an alias to work behind, and uh, the highest sort of the highest professional discipline to carry out your operation successfully. Um, but if that's what it takes, that's what we do.
0: I suppose my final question, and I kind of already know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask you anyway for your expert opinion. What is the number one espionage target in the world?
1: Now, the number one espionage target in the world is the United States, clearly. Uh, the the, the um, preeminent country in the world. Uh, the world's uh, only superpower, and I'm not talking only about government secrets. Government secrets, of course, adversaries are trying to divine government secrets, but it goes well beyond that. It goes to industrial and trade secrets. You know, when you think about it, American, uh, the American government executes national security, but the but national security is really built on American economic power, and uh, they are intrinsically linked, and they are both subject to targets from uh, foreign intelligence.
0: Okay, Um, is there anything else you want to add that I haven't asked you about that you think is important?
1: No, but thanks very much for the opportunity to speak. I just that uh, you know. Any opportunity to explain something to the American people about uh, the challenges that the intelligence officers that work on their behalf face is always welcome.
0: Mark Kelton, a retired CIA case officer, as we conclude the third installment of our series, The Fog of Espionage.
1: This has been the Best of Target USA, 2019.
0: A look back at episode 190. Thank you, as always, for joining us and allowing us to spend some time with you. I'm deeply grateful for that. If you have any questions or comments about the program, send me an email at jgreen at WTOP.com. That's the letter J, the color green. One word, at whiskey whiskeytangooscarpapa.com. That's jgreen at WTOP.com. Also, follow us on Twitter at TUSA podcast. That's at Tango Uniform Sierra Alpha podcast. And if you want more international and national security information, sign up for my newsletter, Inside the Skiff at WTOP.com alerts. I'm JJ Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security
1: Podcast.
0: Happy holidays from your friends at Podcast One.
1: Hi everyone, it's Becca from the Lady Gang. We wanted to say
2: thank you to all our advertisers for their support this year. We couldn't do it without you. Have a very happy
1: holiday season. Hey, this is Adam Corolla. I want to thank you for listening this year and have a happy and safe holiday. Hi, it's Barbara Boxer. Wishing you a happy New Year. And this is Nicole. Yeah, and we're wishing you a happy holidays. Hey everyone, it's Sheena Shea
2: from Shenanigans. Just wishing you all happy holidays and a very happy New Year. Hey guys, it's
1: Nas and Nadia from Ladies Ladies Like Us. us. We want to wish our listeners a very happy holiday and say thank you to all our advertisers who support our show. We could not do it without
2: you. Happy holidays. Hey, it's Heather and Terry Dubrow.
1: Hello, happy holidays. Happy
0: holidays, everybody. Shaq, I know you love being Santa. No, I am Santa. Yeah. Day, happy, happy Holidays, holidays. from adulting, adulting Like, like a mother, mother Father. Hey
2: everyone, it's Caitlin Bristow from Off the Vine Podcast wishing you a very happy holiday season and thank you for all of your support this year. Tis
1: the season of giving! And we know you're looking for gifts for your family and friends right now.
2: So check out our
0: amazing sponsors who bring you showmance every week for free.
1: Give us your ears.
0: And they'll give you
1: awesome deals. And we will give you more of the content you love.
0: Hey, it's Heidi Pratt. I just want to thank all of our amazing sponsors for making this show possible and every that they do so we can have this
2: free podcast for you guys every week so thank you so much to all of our awesome sponsors we love you and we really love all your products so thank
0: you hey everybody steve austin here and i want to wish you a very happy holiday season and a happy new year and that's the bottom line now stay tuned for the latest headlines from the associated press